0: You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We, live. we live.
1: Welcome to the Locked On Hornets podcast. I'm Walker Mail alongside Nada Edwards. You can find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail, Nada at Nada the Scribe, and you can find the show's handle at... At Locked On Hornets. You can find it on most social media platforms Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And again, you can find all the links and the handles. They're all over the show notes. You can find those no problem. Again, at Walker Mail, at Nada the Scribe, at Locked On Hornets. The Charlotte Hornets take on the Chicago Bulls on the road tonight. And things, Nada, they've been rough in the early going for Chicago.
0: I think we kind of expected it, though.
1: I think we did, but the injury certainly hurt them even more so at the point guard position. So they've already been without Laurie Markkinen. Mm-hmm. Denzel Valentine has been out with an ankle injury, somebody that they expected to help them off of the bench. But he's been out, and we haven't seen any action from him. And now Chris Dunn. Just a couple of days ago, Chris Dunn was— end
0: end potentially— no Jabari Parker tonight.
1: Well, and possibly that too. So Chris Dunn, though, suffered an MCL injury just a couple of days ago. So this Bulls team is hurting. Yeah. With this Chris Dunn injury, it seems it's funny because you watch all of the NBA pundits. Like, they're all screaming tankathon now. Yeah. Like, I don't know if, if they were tanking beforehand. I think they were just young and were just going to be kind of bad anyway, but maybe not actively trying to lose from the top. But now without Chris Dunn, it looks like he's going to be out from six to eight weeks. You don't have Markin in, who did mm-hmm. show you some real promise as a rookie last season. He was a good player. Then it seems like maybe the tankathon is going to happen in Chicago once again this season. And as so, it should. and so now, one that certainly bodes well for the Hornets tonight. The spread kind of low for the Hornets on the road, four and a half. Yeah, Hornets are favored. I'm taking that all day. I know I showed maybe a little bit of homerism in picking the Hornets against the Raptors to cover the spread, not to win the game. A little bit. But to cover the spread. But I feel pretty comfortable about the Hornets covering the spread at four and a half. And the other thing, Nada, just when you have Chris Dunn out, you go to the bench for Chicago. Mm -hmm. You're looking for Cameron Payne. One of the biggest dat masters in the league. That's right. Not Cameron Artis Payne for all you Panthers fans, but Cameron Payne. You're looking at Ryan Archidiakono, and they just brought in Shaq Harrison. Kemba needs to eat tonight. Like He's been eating against better guys than that. Kemba, you got to imagine that his numbers probably go back within that 35 points per game average that he had before the Toronto contest.
0: Well, think about it like this. Didn't Kemba go for like 41 against them last year, and that's with Dunn in the lineup and Payne already there? So I could see him going off for big numbers. They need to win this game. I want to call it a must win. I just don't want to be made fun of again for basically <laughs> true statements at this I point. Did.
1: They're not—I'm not going to get into this again. It's a it's a win that they certainly need. It would be a bad loss. It would be a bad loss. They shouldn't the lose this goal. one on Friday. No, they should not. They need to go 2-0 and in this two-game stretch against the Chicago Bulls. And, Nada, we were talking about this before we came on air today, that you have— the charlotte hornets on a 1 and 1 road trip right now right or 2 yeah. and 1 i should say two excuse me they're 2 and 1 so if you finish 3 and 1 on their road trip then i think you sign up for that all day with that one loss coming to the raptors that's well as expected come on
0: home with those three victories we'll take it exactly 3 and 1 on this road trip is a successful road trip no matter how you slice it especially with these road issues that they had cuz i think they only had what 15 wins on the road last year and one gun yeah so at some point Showing improvement on the road, showing that your defense can show up on the road, that's the one thing that's always going to be consistent, is defensive effort. If you bring that on the road and you do well and come home for Chicago and Philly, I think you're going to be in a really good spot considering that, again, the Armageddon that is the road schedule after January one,
1: so you sign up for the three and one road trip. You certainly, I think, sign up as well for the four and two overall record that mm-hmm. they would be staring at if they were able to win both of these games. And you look at Chicago, and there's there's no reason to get in the stats, man. Chicago's bad. Like the Hornets lead them in points, assists, blocks, the turnovers. They they are they are better in than Chicago in the early going in every single metric that you have at least within the basic stats that you can look at.
0: Agreed, but the thing is. Bulls are like fifth in uh, three-point field goal percentage. So if there's anything that may keep them in this game, and we know that's an old bugaboo of this defense, giving up open threes, giving up open looks for three, they're hitting at 40%. If they hit 40% against the Hornets, they're going to be in this game a whole lot longer than we probably would feel comfortable with. That's why I'm kind of going with Chicago plus four and a half right now because... So you're taking the Bulls in this, Brad? Yes, I am. Are you just a cynicist? Like yes. Um, <laughs> have Have you again? Have we not hung out for the last two months? Have you not figured that part out about me? Yeah. I'm a natural cynic. I'm a New Yorker. I can't help it.
1: No, you are a natural cynic. I I just you you can't look at this team like look. I, I understand that the Hornets. It was funny to see that we were all Hornets fans uh, coming into the Toronto game. Like yeah, bring on bring on the Warriors. But then the Raptors kind of humbled everybody. Wait and- wait
0: wait. Some some of us called the some of
1: us called that. Well, I th- I mean, of course, everybody thought the Raptors were going to win that game. But, yes, I thought it might be a little bit closer, but it certainly wasn't. But I do think that the Bulls are going to be able to cover. And then you talk about the three-point field goals, Nada, and and you talk about that they do have a, a good percentage. They are fifth. They are shooting 40% from three. But you look at the three points attempted. Yeah, it's and, only 28%. Yeah, they're, they're not shooting all that many threes per game. I mean, you look at Chicago, they're ranked 26th in the amount. Of Mm three-pointers that they take so the good thing about that is even if they do shoot at a high clip such as the chicago bulls have already done then they just don't shoot enough for it to matter they're only shooting 25 and a half three-pointers per game so far this season and you look at charlotte charlotte is still letting it fly 36.5 three-pointers, and that was actually when they shot 28 against Toronto, only making nine of them. So that Toronto game, as a lot of these early games are, they're going to kind of— Small sample
0: size theater. It it,
1: was small sample size, but also it's going to shoot you one way or the other as long as we're here in the early going. But the Hornets have shot a lot. Milwaukee, as we talked about before the season, they've shot a ton of threes as well. Um, But again, Chicago, even if they hit at a high clip, they're going to have to shoot a little bit more than the 25 that they're shooting right now. We, We think
0: Zach Levine's not capable of doing that, though. Well, I mean, who else is? It, it's. Wendell Carter ain't stepping back Bobby, that far a whole lot. Him, Bobby Portis. Bob, yeah, I mean,
1: they're. They can. I'm not saying that they can't shoot all the way around, but. That's what they would have to do. They would have to break a trend that they've shown us here in Chicago. That is a question, though. What else do you got like, left to try for to a- these games? <laughs> yeah, well, Are you looking for reasons for Chicago to win? Like, it seems. No, I, that's the one thing, right? Like, is Zach Levine somebody that scares you enough to maybe yes. go off for a 40 piece and then mm-hmm. actually keep this game pretty close and mm-hmm. end up winning this?
0: This team defensively has issues. Now, granted, I know they're top 10 in defensive rating. But we got to start looking back at that Orlando game. Orlando missed a lot of open shots. And when you start missing open shots, it deflate Again, granted, it inflates your defensive rating, but that's what I'm wondering about with this team. Did Orlando and playing Miami inflate this defensive rating entirely too much to the other side where maybe they're getting a little overvalued in this small sample size theater? So once uh, again, this will be a good test because beating a bad team, handling them, humbling them on their own home floor is something that you expect good playoff teams to do. So I'm looking forward to that. If they can do that tonight,
1: you mentioned Jabari Parker. If he if he does go tonight, Stephen Noah of The Athletic, who, who wrote a piece on the Chicago Bulls for TheAthletic.com, you know, he opens up, it says, quote, we knew that Jabari Parker and Zach Levine would probably struggle on defense. But through two games, their defense has been ghastly and they look unplayable together. And that was just a couple of days ago. And so with Parker kind of maybe being questionable for tonight's game, we'll see if he does play. But it's Zach Levine has been really bad on that end of the floor. Oh, no,
0: there's no denying that.
1: And that's the interesting part about defense in this league, right? Like, I mean, you have Zach Levine, who is a superior athlete. He is fun. We've seen him in the dunk contest. He's put together a show. When he has entered the the, con, the dunk contest and when you have that kind of athleticism, you usually have the tools to become a good defender, but a lot of it is just intelligence. It's just your basketball IQ and also it's the willingness to play on that end of the floor and, and, for coaching. Some reason, and coaching for sure and for some reason it just hasn't turned out for Zach Levine to be a good defender in this league and it's. Right. like Zach Levine might get his on the offensive end, but it looks like maybe a Malik Monk or whoever he's guarding. They could get theirs on the offensive this end This would
0: as well. be a nice game for Jeremy Lamb to show up on both ends of the floor.
1: It would. And I, I want to get into that after we take this quick break. Let's get into that and maybe some more individual stats for the Charlotte Hornets. If you want to support our show and the amazing people that put it together, consider joining our Patreon community. For as little as $1 a month, you can help us keep making the daily Hornets content that you've come to trust. Go to patreon.com slash L-O-H. There's a link in the description of this episode. You can get entered into our contest for free bobbleheads and tickets and get access to content before anyone else. Patreon.com slash L-O-H. Every dollar goes to making this the best Hornets talk in all of Charlotte. How much is there a legitimate competition right now between Jeremy Lamb and Malik Monk to start for the Charlotte Hornets team? Stick around with us on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. How strong
0: is an ox? Are we I think we're overrating the Ox. Uh, we I, are not overrating the Ox. I, I need to see I need mm. to see some medicals on the Ox.
1: Yeah, why don't you do the research on that? You put your lab glasses on. You take a look at it. You can wonder if ma- there's anything on the internet.
0: It's time for more
1: of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Welcome back! Thanks for joining us here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Continue our discussion from earlier, looking at this matchup tonight. With the Chicago Bulls, that'll be at 8 o'clock when that game tips off. And Nada, you mentioned Jeremy Lamb heading to the break. And Jeremy Lamb just has not been all that great so far. No. You look at what he's done, and this is not to say that this is the Lamb that you can expect. We're not saying it was an aberration, what you saw from last season. There's no reason to jump that far off the cliff with Jeremy Lamb, but it is worth noting the guy has not been good. So Jeremy, shooting 34% from the field, that's a yikes number. Yes. You look at three-point percentage, it's 31. That's not good either. You look at his defense, it certainly hasn't been anything world-beating. Like Jeremy Lamb has not played well, and this is somebody that won that competition so quickly, and you wonder if maybe this would be a good game, as you mentioned, to get Jeremy Lamb going and kind of ease off of, okay, Jeremy's got it figured out now. Maybe he can have a couple of games in a row where he can actually contribute pretty well and efficiently. You
0: would would think so, but here's the problem. like, If you're not coming out of the box for a really good season in a money year, I can't trust you. I want to trust Jeremy, but it's like it's more of the same. At some point, you got to figure out whether you want to do this as a starter, if you want to make some big money, or if you just want to stay in Charlotte make $10 million a year and be a bench guy for the rest of your career. Like, literally, it's all on his plate. And he looked like he was going to take it from Chapel Hill going forward. He looked great in that Chapel Hill game. What did he not do when the season started? He didn't show up and i don't want to be like radio hot take guy right now
1: you're starting to it i'm seems starting like to I'm transferring that radio side right back into you it's coming through my mic into your ear and into your body and so i'm i'm with you though i mean jeremy lamb hasn't played well and i just think you look at malik monk right like it's not like malik monk has been crazy efficient he was before that toronto raptor game i think that percentage it went down for him holding only hitting a few mm-hmm. field goals in that one before the Raptor game, he was much better, but he's only shooting 39% from the field. But again, that Raptor game, that really hurt. Like Jeremy Lamb has been inefficient for a lot of these games to
0: start. Exactly. And again, you can't look that bad defensively. I mean, think about the Toronto game. Defensive lapses cost them early in that game, and that showed him showed you that he wasn't ready. Look at the Orlando game. He did show up early, but he disappeared midway into that game. Look at Miami fouling out with eight minutes to go, not knowing the situation. Like there is some situational lack of awareness for Jeremy Lamb right now, and that's kind of concerning if you're trying to be a playoff team.
1: MKG was outstanding early on and was very good defensively, has been so far. Only played 16 minutes against the Raptors. You can almost throw that game out, though, with the way that that game ended up being in they're, the second they're, half. They're
0: the third best team in the league.
1: Yeah, and, well, and just just minute-wise, right? I mean, yeah. that's what you're talking about with just some of these guys and the merit that you put behind some of these stats. But he's been fantastic defensively, but not. A, when we watched that Chicago Bulls game in preseason, We saw Bobby Portis take it to MKG down low a couple of times, and we've seen them go small where MKG actually played phenomenal defense against the Milwaukee Bucks when he played the five, right? I mean, we we saw MKG play very well, and those were some big guys that he was going up against. So does Bobby Portis, does he pull out the back alley hat, put it on, and just start to go down low and be a beast down there? Or do you think this is an MKG, you think he gets a little bit of revenge from the preseason? No, no, no.
0: no, I think this is just a bad matchup overall for for MKG, quite honestly. And this is when you expect a guy like Cody Zeller, a guy like Billy Hernan Gomez to possibly step up defensively and be better at what he does Be better on the defensive end because at least if you can slow him down, it keeps the idea of maybe the Bulls creeping back in this game or them hanging around a lot longer than they should away from any possibility. And then I will be completely wrong and I will be happy to admit I was wrong that I thought the Bulls would cover at all.
1: Well, and so the bull and Bobby Portis—he's averaging twelve and a half points so far this season. Justin Holiday averaging thirty-four minutes. By the way, he's averaging fifteen points really? a game, and Jabari Parker averaging sixteen. So they, but they might be without him tonight, as uh, we mentioned here earlier in the show. Jabari Parker—he missed practice today due to an upper respiratory infection, so he is questionable. Like we said, that is his diagnosis for the night that is his tab for the night he is questionable so we will see if jabari goes but then you talk about the matchups nada just looking at the possible guys they would throw out there like you mentioned some of the big guys you know you would think it would be Robin Lopez. He's gotten 17 and a half minutes at the center position. So you might see some matchups between him and Billy, him and Cody Zeller. But then also your boy, Wendell Carter. He's getting 23 minutes a game. So he's actually getting out there and getting That's some the guy run. I can
0: see them putting MKG on.
1: Yeah, well, and I'm interested to see what kind of matchup that you might have. So Wendell Carter would be somebody. That's your boy. That's the guy you wanted.
0: Yes, badly.
1: Like, how did you, did you, you ranked him like top five? Coming yes, out of I think draft. he's
0: one of the, I think he's Al Horford reincarnated. Even though Al Horford ain't dead, Al Snorford. Yeah, Well, yes, exactly, Al <laughs> Snorford.
1: Our player hater combo. <laughs> that's that's exactly. You got what some it player
0: was. hating coming up too.
1: Yeah, Al, Al Snorford, please. All right, yeah, we'll see about Wendell Carter. uh going up against the Charlotte Hornets team. And real quickly, just talking with Rick, I think we discussed it a little bit. Rod Boone of The Athletic has done a good job covering for the Charlotte Hornets in his early going. Still Mm -hmm. trying to figure out this team and doing a good job covering the Hornets uh, just through the first four games of the regular season. Rod Boone went on the Jerry V Show on 7.30 The Game, ESPN Charlotte, I think it was two days ago. And he echoed something that Rick and I talked about in our interview on Tuesday that The Hornets need to find a second scoring option behind Kimba Walker. And this has been a discussion that we've had pretty much Kimba's entire career, certainly here recently, because Nick Batum, it's not somebody that has stepped up to be that second scorer. He's going to be your number
0: three on a playoff team.
1: No, and, and there's no doubt about it. And even scoring-wise, I mean, it's not somebody that you say, hey, go get me 20. I need it right now. He, he can't do that. No. I think you have to be looking at Malik Monk here, right? I mean, who else are you looking at to go it. get the buckets?
0: That's that's it. You would think that it would have been Jeremy Lamb, judging from the preseason. And and it still
1: can it. be, but
0: it, it seems like for the
1: future especially, especially if you decide to let Jeremy Lamb walk and you want Malik Monk because you're not – I mean, this is somebody that you're invested in. You're hoping that Malik is somebody that you can rely on to come in and be that second scoring option. And he's shot very well from beyond the arc. It's it's a cold-blooded yes. killer. But you just need to see the efficiency maybe rise up a little bit more. And that's what happens, you know, first- and second-year players. It, it just seems like he's right on the – he's on a good trend. But I would imagine that's the guy that you're looking at to yeah, become absolutely. the second scorer.
0: Absolutely. He's the guy that by January, you hope, takes that second scorer role maybe even becomes a 1B to the 1A, becomes that CJ McCollum-type player. But for right now, you just need to see trending upwards. Now, granted, Toronto wasn't a good look for anybody, last uh, again, on Monday. But at the same time, for what Malik Monk is and for what the Charlotte Hornets need him to be, he needs to be their second scorer, or else this team is going to be 30-plus wins and done. And then we all know what's going to happen after that.
1: And congratulations, by the way, to Kimba Walker for winning Eastern Conference Player of the Week. I believe he broke the Charlotte Hornets franchise record, who he beat Gerald Wallace. I think they both had six of those awards. Yes. I think now Kimba in their career. I think Kimba now.
0: First Hornet with 10,000 points. Able to
1: pass him for seven. And Kimba, first Hornet ever with 10,000 points getting there. So he's the best Charlotte Hornet in a lot of people's eyes, but the Charlotte Hornets Twitter account. They have been listing their top 10 Charlotte Hornets of all time, Yeah, we got and shots. they are now at number five. I want to compare it to my list, and I want to see who's winning the race right now. We'll come back after the break. I'm Walker Mayo alongside Nada Edwards. You're listening to the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. 10 Al Jefferson, 9 Anthony Mason, 8 JL Wallach, 7 Baron Davis, 6 Dell Curry, 5 Glenn Rice, 4 Mugsy Bogues, 3 Larry Johnson, 2 Alonzo. Morning! Nice. Number one, (laughs) top Charlotte Hornet of all time, Kimba Walker. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. The list is done. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks for joining us once again. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. So as we mentioned, heading into the break, the Charlotte Hornets, their Twitter account, they've done a fantastic job with all of the marketing of the nostalgia for the 30th anniversary for the Charlotte Hornets organization being in existence, and they have decided to do a list of their own. Yes. Not a top 30.
0: No. No I did that the top I- <laughs>
1: Well, you would think I bit off a little bit more than I could chew, but hey, I got through it Mm -hmm. and we're finally done, but we'll resurrect it for the time being with the Hornets coming up with their own top 10 Charlotte Hornet list of all time. And so some similarities, but a couple of differences that we've seen so far. Yes. All of our, there's only one guy that I have in the top 10 that the Hornets do not. So let's go down the list of what the Hornets have revealed. Okay. Number 10 is Big Al. I Mm. don't believe you had... A problem with Big Al being
0: ten, right? And no. I,
1: I put him at ten. The Hornets put him at ten.
0: There were people that had a problem with it. and I'm like, wait, y'all don't think he's probably at worst the third best, third worst center that this team has had? And I
1: don't. And I just, I don't know if I had huge problems and people coming at me with Big Al. He was, he was great for the one year. He was an All NBA member. We all know that. He's probably like more one and a half years of him really contributing. Yeah. And the second season, remember, even at the end of the second season, it was Cody Zeller getting the starts over him. And so Al Jefferson just did a fantastic job, had that one year, his best year ever, was in a Bobcat uniform. But he comes in at number 10 because the guy just didn't play here all that long. And it wasn't, again, a a bright career for the three seasons that he was here. But it was one, and it was good enough to get him in the top 10, so whatever. Number nine, the Charlotte Mm -hmm. Hornets, they themselves put Kendall Gill at number nine. I had him at number 11, so it wasn't too far off, but that's the one guy I did not have in my top 10. I I was surprised. I put Mace at number nine. I put Anthony Mason, who also found himself on an all NBA team once upon his career in a Hornet uniform, and Kendall Gill, the guy they decide to put number nine. Like, I'm not shocked. I just like Mace better, but Kendall Gill did have a couple of times where he played here. There was two separate stints Agreed. with the Hornets and was a good NBA player, so they put him at number nine. I think probably longevity
0: wins out in that case over Mace. Yeah, but the thing is, and, doesn't, in
1: their regards, to me, I got Anthony Mace in there all
0: day. No, no, and so do I, because here's the, here's the thing that I wonder about. Again, didn't Mace set the record for like triple doubles in a single Hornet season? I uh, think he did. I think he did. No. Kendall Gill's never done anything that amazing. I'm I, quite, quite frankly, I, he's done amazing things elsewhere, but for what he did in the Charlotte Hornets uniform, I'm not sure he belongs in the top ten. Number eight, we both had Gerald Wallace. The Hornets put him at
1: number eight. I put him at number eight. You know what's funny is I got a lot of backlash for Gerald Wallace, and the Hornets decided to put him here too. You should. I'm just not putting him over some of the other guys available. As much as I love Gerald Wallace, there's no disrespect. This is a this is the list where you get to the guys you immediately think of with the Charlotte Hornets, and Gerald Wallace comes at number 8, but the Hornets list him there as well. And it's just, I was interested to see where they would put him. I know we referenced this maybe a couple of shows back where Colin Hoggard tweeted at both of us. Yep. And he discussed, he hopes that the Hornets just recognize all of the good that Gerald Wallace did. So he is at number eight here. Fantastic player. If you want to put him up, fine. But I'm cool with him at number eight but just a fantastic career. So pretty cool for them to recognize.
0: I still think he's too low. I still think he's probably... overhead you prom- him over ahead of, of Barron, who
1: comes in at seven on both of our lists?
0: Yeah, but remember, I talked to you about that. I like Barron. I like Barron. So you're not
1: putting him over Barron. You're taking him out. We'll just go ahead and get to it. Baron Davis comes in at seven. Mm -hmm. Both of us, the Charlotte Hornets and myself, we both put Baron at number seven overall. Six I
0: seriously have a problem with. So
1: we had three out of the four, right, until we get to six. So we had three out of the five. The Hornets put Glenn Rice at number six. Which is utterly disrespectful. I had Del Curry at number six. Which is more appropriate. (laughs) And they put Glenn. I would imagine now with the rest of the five ready to go, it would be any kind of Combination it would of, be any combination, any form of Alonzo, LJ, Muggsy, Dell, and Kemba. So Glenn Rice, number six, got big beef with that.
0: It's disrespectful. It's <laughs> absolutely disrespectful. Like the only thing that Dell Curry has over Glenn Rice is longevity. That's the only thing.
1: Uh, and that was, that was the biggest debate that we had along that top 30 Hornets list of all time. But Glenn Rice, th- there's no doubt about it. Offensively, the dude was a stud.
0: Like, like literally, I,
1: I love looking at those numbers it, because we talk about guys. It's just fun to see who would still be a beast in this modern era.
0: Oh, Glenn Rice is like Chris Middleton on steroids. Uh,
1: well, and and <laughs> it's well defensively, we don't know about Glenn Rice a whole lot. True, but offensively, Glenn would have. Oh, he would have nourished in this league. And the other guy I came across that was a Hornet that I thought would really play well in this league was Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones right now, like that dude, is balling in today's league. One of the best. And Michael Jordan, again, he was – we had two guys that Michael Jordan said – it was really tough to go yeah, against him, him. And, uh,
0: him and david wesley right? well and bobby phil's bobby phil's yeah right. he mentioned
1: bobby phil's the late great bobby phil's he mentioned both of them and so eddie jones and bobby but eddie jones man was shooting it well from deep was a guy that i think led the league in steals one season if i remember from my research back then correctly so both of those guys but eddie jones not finding himself here just the one season but glenn rice coming in at number six Pretty close to my list and only Mace making the top 10 that did not make it for the Hornets, barring any kind of shocking name being revealed here that would leave out either one of Zoe, LJ,
0: Muggsy, Dell, or Kemba. Again, I will say this to my blue in the face. Muggsy is too high in a lot of people's lists, including yours. Well, and they're not going to play. Dell is too high. And I get why they, I get why Muggsy and Dell are well and especially Dell.
1: I mean yeah. they, they especially ain't, yeah. they ain't gonna dupe Dell. I mean the guy still is so involved we can still with the organization be honest about that's it. okay and I'm not hating on you for it I get you I, I'm fine with your argument but for my list it went Glenn Rice Muggsy at four Larry at three Alonzo at two and Kimba at one but I'm with you which one do you have a bigger problem with Gerald being at eight Glenn at being at six
0: Glenn being at six is a travesty <laughs> absolute travesty i can l- i can let go of my beef with gerald wallace at eight for glenn rice at six where, where are you where are you putting glenn so Kembo number one you're putting kim at number one i'm obviously putting kemba it's kemba Z- again your choice of zoe or lj at two so they have to be two and three yes they so, have to be so two glenn and comes three. in at four for you glenn comes in at four at least four or five at least I can't put. I don't hate it. I, I can't. I can't legitimately put Dell and Muggsy over Glenn Rice, who probably still has the most single most efficient Hornets scoring season ever.
1: Yeah, he I was, can't do it. He was great. All right, let's get to a couple of jerseys real quickly before we end it here today. not I know you were particularly excited to look at this, so. We have a couple of city jerseys that
0: are being implemented. Yes, we do. Uh,
1: the Brooklyn jerseys—I don't know how to describe the Brooklyn jerseys Brooklyn that are coming out. Brooklyn
0: jerseys are like '90s kente cloth. Yeah, little they little are.
1: Of, they yeah, are absolutely.
0: That's like that's what they are. And it's a little too Brooklyn hipster for me, <laughs> yeah. which means it'll sell well in Brooklyn.
1: I, I like it, kind of. Like I, It's hard to describe, but I kind of like exactly... I, I kind of like what they're doing. A little bit more simple. But the real things to look at here is the Minnesota City jerseys, and they're Prince-themed. And Nada, that is your boy, Prince. Yes. And Prince was somebody... Uh, Huge Minnesota sports fan. Sure. Who was, uh, who was involved in all of that, and involved in the sports scene. And everybody, of course, loved them for it. And now you have... Prince-themed jerseys coming from Minnesota. I like the jerseys, but the shorts are the things that you're most interested in.
0: I'm not... Again, anyone that's listened to this podcast knows I am not a big fan of purple on jerseys.
1: This is the exception <laughs> to the do, rule. You can deal You can deal with the Prince ones? Yes, I can. I, I don't have it in front of me. I'm trying to click on the link, but what do they look like? They're like... The, the jerseys are... I mean they've they've got purple trim on. they got purple
0: of the- trim is purple is black it's a lovely little <laughs> and mind you the picture's taken like on the back of a basically it's purple it's basically the purple rain cover kind of kind of black and purple to it
1: what would you do if you're a hornets like if you were in charge of the hornets jersey what leave, city theme would you do
0: leave the city jerseys as they leave the bus city as they are right now they're perfect as they are do not touch them Black and the teal works well. Leave it alone. The last thing I need is some Bojangles themed City jersey coming out. Well, let's
1: uh, let's bring back the NASCAT's jersey. No. The checkered flag on the side? No, no. You don't want to do that to the Buzz City jerseys? No. Good God, no. (laughs) The checkered flag on the sideline or on the side? The little checkered trim. I think that'd work well.
0: I would rather them see do, I would rather them see them do Panthers colors for the bus city theme than do that.
1: Yeah, and I don't and we were looking at this I think on the wake up call. Like I don't think there's anybody any celebrity from Charlotte that you think, yep, immediately we need to incorporate that celebrity with this kind of city jersey that you would be able to
0: make. Exactly. And please guys, I know you guys listen to this occasionally, do not do model this after Cam Newton. Please. Please. <laughs> no, that would be. It's a bad idea. No, I
1: would like to see it, I'll be honest with you, but it probably isn't in their best interest. Thanks for listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast. Wherever you get your podcast, just search Lockdown Hornets. We'll be back with you once again tomorrow for Chicago Bulls and Charlotte Hornets recap.
0: Flippity flip. See you guys.